we went to a concert, uh, Kirk Franklin and Maverick City at uh, the Pepsi Center. I don't forget what it's called now, Ball Arena. And uh, that song uh, was, was played. And when I heard it, I thought, we need to do that at Thorn Creek. That's just a song that we should do at Thorn Creek. So I, I love that song. And I like that, that line in there that, that talks about, help me to have an open mind. Did you catch that? Help me to have an open mind. I think we can take some things for granted in our life. We could take for granted that we have breath in our lungs. We could take for granted that, that tomorrow is a new day, right? We can take for granted that we have strength. We can take for granted that the sun comes up and we can just take a lot of things for granted. And I don't know about you, the longer I live, the more I appreciate the little things. And I recognize the miracles in my life. Don't you recognize the miracles in your life? Glory to God. Aren't you grateful? I'm so grateful. <clears throat> and Jesus, we cry out to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming into this crazy world and going to the cross for us. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for saving us from our sins. Thank you for the blood that was shed on that cross that was good enough for all of humanity. Thank you for your grace over our lives. Thank you for the breath in our lungs. Thank you for being a God who hears our prayers. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for never sleeping, slumbering. Thank you for your patience over our lives, God. Oh, you're so patient with us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for your mercy that covers us even when we don't realize we need it. Even when we don't realize we're under your grace. Thank you, God. We give ourselves to you right now, Lord. Give ourselves to you. And we worship you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to someone and just tell them Jesus cares. Can you do that? Jesus cares. I want to welcome those who are online. Thanks for being a part of church. So exciting. Our best weekend ever. Uh, we've got like uh, goats out in the lobby and balloons and cotton candy. And the place smells like popcorn and all kinds of stuff. So you might think I walked into a movie theater or something. But uh, I, I think it's just fun having, having fun at church and laughing at church. That's a great thing. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, thank you for your prayers. Last week I was preaching in Oregon, and I just want you to know the Lord heard your prayers, and God moved in a special way. Uh, God, God just reminded me that he's a God of new beginnings, uh, that whole thing. And uh, I'm grateful for your love and your prayers uh, very much. Um, today the message title is How to Bring Hope. How to Bring Hope. Anybody need hope? How to bring hope. Hope is so precious. When you don't have hope, it's a desperate, dire situation. But how do you bring hope? Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance. Oh, let's read this out loud, guys. This is, we read this a few weeks ago, and this is a good memory verse. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's a great, great definition of what is faith, and hope is part of this verse right here. I mentioned that assurance uh, mean, here means to stand and under. So it literally means that which stands under a foundation. So verse 1 tells us that faith and hope 
work together. They work together. So you came to church and you got some cool 3D glasses. Get out those glasses right now. And I want you to put them on. And we're going to put up our first slide here in 3D or 2D. And you can put it. Let's go ahead and put it up now, brother. There it is. If you cover up one eye, cover, cover, up, well, cover up your right eye. And what word do you see? Faith. All right, cover up your left eye. Now, what word do you see? There it is. Isn't that beautiful, guys? Isn't that, that cool? I feel like I need to preach with these on for a little bit because, I mean, how many times do we come to church and I get to, get to preach? Now my message is popping off the page. So cool. <laughs> Faith and hope work together. Faith and hope work together. You got to have, it, 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 they work together, and your hope is only as strong as your faith. Let me give you your, your, your first point. You want to keep them on because you're going to see this one. Check this one out. Faith is the foundation for hope. Check out that hope. Now, do you see me pointing in front of your nose right now? Do you see that? <laughs> no, you can't. I, we didn't do that. I, I, I was so tempted to get some, you know, like us go on a little waterfall ride or something and have someone spray you with water behind you like if you were at Universal Studios or something like that. But um, um, faith is the foundation for hope. So you got to have this picture of this is uh, faith is the foundation. It, and, and what you put your faith in is everything. Who you place your faith in is everything. Your faith is only as strong as a person you're placing it on. And hope is built on top of that. Faith is, faith is the foundation for hope. Let's look at this famous story. This is a man who was full of hope. Everyone around him did not have hope, but this man had hope, and it's a beautiful story. It's uh, involving a man named Blind Bartimaeus. I, I, I don't know, think Blind is his first name, but he was known as Blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, here it is. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Can you say Bartimaeus with me? Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell them to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly. Oh, say instantly with me. Instantly. The man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Mm. Lord Jesus, would you open up our eyes? Would you tear down strongholds and walls right now, God. I pray that people turn to you with all their heart during this sermon. I pray that those who are far from you return to you. I pray that we cry out to you like Bartimaeus. I pray, Lord, that uh, 
people are set free during this sermon. I pray for an unusual anointing over this message, God. By your grace, use me again, Lord, by your grace. May your Holy Spirit flow freely in me and through me, and may the words that just come out of my mouth be right from you, God. We need to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me, direct me. I need that, God. I can't do this without you, and I don't want to do it without you, Lord. This is not some TED Talk, Lord. We need your spirit here. So change hearts, God. Move in the heart of the person who's watching online right now. Move in their heart. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Draw them closer to you, whatever you want to do, God. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. And if that's your desire to meet with God, would you just shout out amen? amen. Oh, look at that. Isn't that beautiful, guys? I love preaching at Thorn Creek. It's the best church in the world. Uh, hey, so let's talk about the story a little bit. Um, Jesus is traveling, right? He's on his way to the cross, which is Jerusalem, that's where it's located, and he's going through this place known as Jericho, and, and while he enters Jericho, there's this parade of followers that's around him, and there's this guy named Bartimaeus. What's interesting about this is why in the world does the Bible mention Bartimaeus by name? There are a lot of other stories in the Bible. There's not, you know, the names are on his mention. There's the woman at the well. Well, what's her name? What about the woman that's caught in adultery? Well, what's, what's, what's her name? We don't know her name either. What about the man by the pool of Bethesda? We don't know his name, do we? What about that other man who had many demons? We don't really know his name either. But this guy, we know his name, Bartimaeus. He was a significant man. People knew him, and you have to understand the situation he's in. His world during the day when Jesus walked, what was his life like, and what was the culture, culture like? Um, the, he's living in a society that ignores the afflicted. If there's something wrong with you, there's no doctors for you. There's no doctors for you. You're out of luck. Diseases were very common in the east. In fact, there was this thing called ash heaps that would produce these, uh, these um, uh, pungent, this pungent dust in the air. And this pungent dust would affect a lot of people. And it was said that it would affect the eyes of many people. In fact, it was predicted, scholars have said that as many as half of the population of men either had some sort of defect in their eyes or they were blind. So this pungent dust would just float in the air, and there were no doctors around. So there were some people that were blind, some people that just had eye issues, and they just lived like that. And, and, and what would you do? What, what, do you, what do you do when something's wrong and you can't fix it? You might, you know, just kind of like give up and... Maybe just turn to your phone and scroll and look at your feeds or something. Or, or I don't know, what do you do? Maybe go on a hike or something. Or what do you do when there's something wrong and you can't fix it? You've tried everything possible and nothing works. What do you do when you can't fix it? Here's what Bartimaeus did right here, guys. This is what he did. He sat down. He's done just sat down, watched everyone go by him, 
Not watched. He's blind, right? Can't see. But he, but he can hear. He, he can hear. Everyone goes by him, and all he does is just listen. Maybe begs for money or whatever it might be. And this situation he's in, he had to learn to cope with life. Right? He's blind. Can't see. So he has to feel his way. Scripture says he has a coat. And he just finds a way to make a living. Finds a way to make a living. And he's sitting on this curb or this edge of the street. And, and, and people ignore him. They might know who he is, Bartimaeus, um, the, the blind guy. Um, but, but he just sits here waiting and waiting every day. Blind Bartimaeus. Doesn't have anything else to do. Just sits there. And maybe you could identify with this. Maybe you've been in a situation where you're like, gosh, I hope something changes. And I think I'm just going to give up. I really want to change, but I don't, know if we, I don't know if we could ever change. I don't know if our finances will ever be any different. I don't know if that relationship, I don't know if I'll ever be the person I want to be. I don't know. I don't, I might as well just give up. I might as well just give up. Bartimaeus is living in his own private struggle right here. Nobody knows what it's like to be blind. Bartimaeus knew what it was like to be blind, and he's living with it 24-7. Have you ever had a private battle in your life that you live with that nobody else appreciates? Nobody else knows what you're battling, and it's just your private battle. And Bartimaeus sits down at this edge and works through life, maybe like us, and thinks, gosh, what hope is there for me? No doctor can help me out. There's nothing else I can do. I don't know what else to do. Been there? But something happened. This day was different. He goes, maybe he has his own street corner or something like that. I don't know. But he, this day is different because while he's sitting down, scripture, scripture says this. When Bartimaeus, look at this. When Bartimaeus heard, say heard with me. That Jesus of Nazareth was nearby. See, he was blind, but he could hear. And what did he hear? Here it is. Who is that? It's Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming by? What is he doing? He's coming by? Where is he at? Oh, he's nearby. He's nearby. And you know what he heard? He heard the sound of opportunity. He heard the sound of a healing. He heard the sound of a new life. That's what Bartimaeus heard. Oh, you're not there with me yet, are you, church? You're not there yet. You have an open mind? You're not there yet, are you? It was a sound of healing. It was a sound of hope. See, in those steps, it was the one who, who created the whole world and everything in it, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Messiah. He knew someone's, someone's footprints were different. Someone's steps were different. Everybody else was normal, but there was one that was walking. <laughs> they could change his life. The prophet Isaiah said it like this. And in his name, the Gentiles will what? That's you and me. Those are non-Jews. 
Jesus is our hope. He's the hope of the world. Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living, what? A living, what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's our living hope. He's not our dead hope. He's not our historical help. He's our living hope. Paul says this in Timothy, that is why we labor and strive. Oh, isn't that a good word? That is why we labor and strive. This is a shout out for all of you who were involved in ministry, all of you who serve God, all of you who give your talents and give your gifts for the kingdom of heaven and you serve in his church and you serve him and you're tired from work and you still serve him. Here it is. This is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God. That's why we do what we do. That's why the worship team comes up here and plays, and we have awesome ministry partners across the building and outside and all the good things that we do. It's because we have a living hope who is the savior of all people, and especially, especially of those who believe, especially those. Ministry is hard work. I tell our staff that all the time. Ministry is just work. It's just work. Some people think I just preach and play golf for five days a week or something. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I work harder in the church than I used to do in the business world. Oh, man. We work hard around here. Uh, we're doing Holy Week. Holy Week. <laughs> That's coming up in a few weeks. We're doing Hope Week uh, this week. Hope Week. It starts, it starts tomorrow, Sunday. And uh, I, I'm so excited about it. Um, did you know we have, let's put up that billboard, Ezra. We have uh, 70 people signed up for Hope Week. 70 people signed up. Isn't that exciting? 70 people are going to be serving Jesus throughout the entire next seven days, starting tomorrow. Um, and and uh, let me just give you the uh, where to go, you know, because I want to encourage you to sign up too. You can, you can sign up just by get, bringing out your phone and clicking on that, and it, it'll take you to a form and, and let us know if you could help out. Uh, tomorrow's, we're going to be at the Renaissance, so it's gonna be, we're going to be there at 1.30. So if you could help out, that would be awesome. Um, the big need of the week, here it is. We're going to be at Third Way Center in downtown Denver at 12.45 p.m., um, and that's going to be this week. I forget which day it is. Uh, Thursday? Wednesday. It's going to be Wednesday. So we need help there because it's going to be uh, at 12.45 in the afternoon. So um, this is an opportunity, parents, to not pick, not pick up your kids and just go serve Jesus and leave your kids there <laughs> at school or whatever. But I love this phrase, why we labor. This is why we labor because, because of our hope. The other thing we're doing, guys, if you haven't seen these, we have these cool shirts we're giving out to the first 150 volunteers who show up. So that's how you get a shirt. Uh, and the shirts normally are $75 each. So it's a great deal. Great deal. First Timothy chapter 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of our God, of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus, who is our what church? The greatest hope you can bring into someone's life is to introduce them to Jesus. You wanna bring hope into someone's life? Tell them, hey, have you met Jesus yet? Let me tell you who Jesus is and point to Jesus in the scriptures and tell them, look, here's Jesus. Look, read John chapter three or read John chapter 14 or, 
or read John chapter 7, or Luke chapter 7. Uh, let me show you who Jesus is. Read Colossians chapter 1, and, or read Ephesians chapter 1, and let me show you who Jesus is. The greatest thing you can do with anyone is point them to Jesus Christ. He is the hope. There is no other hope. Sometimes we misplace our hope. We misplace him. No, don't put hope in your money. Don't put hope into your retirement account. Don't put hope into your job. Don't put hope into another person. Hello. Man, don't put hope into a woman. Woman, don't put hope into a man. Don't put hope into a friend. Your friend can't do for you what Jesus can do for you. Don't put hope into a doctor. Don't put hope into anything or anyone except Jesus Christ. Here's how you know you've given hope away to something or someone that you shouldn't have done. Here's how you know you've given hope away to the wrong person. Here it is. Here it is. You've given up your soul to them. You worship them. You would be devastated if they weren't in your life. They're part of your identity. And the idea of them not being around crushes you. You've actually compromised your values for them. You've compromised your integrity for them. That person or that thing you have completely surrendered to, and they are the most important voice in your life. You want to please them above all else. That's how you know you've given hope up, your hope, to the wrong person. Misplaced hope is essentially placing your hope on something or someone other than Jesus with the belief that they can give you a better life. You say, I'm going to make sure... They're happy. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to, I'm going to work for the dollar. I'm going, to, I'm going to compromise. I'm going to whatever it is. And you've convinced yourself that they're going to give you a better life. When only Jesus can give you a full life, an abundant life, a great life. And when you have Jesus, you recognize he's all you need. You recognize that. Romans chapter 12 talks about Jesus. We rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. <laughs> Isn't that good? This verse tells us we're going to have problems in this world. Expect it. There's life, and there's death, and there's problems in between. Just expect it. And you need to recognize also that, that we have a God of seasons. So that's a whole other message the Lord is stirring in my heart. Maybe you'll hear that one down the road. We have a God of seasons. And whatever season you're in right now, God wants you to pray. God wants you to trust him and, and, and live with this faith and hope in Jesus Christ. He's your sure foundation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You never have to worry about what mood Jesus is in around. You don't ever have to worry if he's sleeping. You can cry out to Jesus anytime, and he will never leave you or forsake you. He's good on his promises. He's good on his word. That's Jesus. Why wouldn't you, why would you replace Jesus with a person, with a friend, with a job, whatever it is, there's nobody like Jesus. Paul said this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace 
as you trust in him. Isn't that cool? As you trust in him. What does that mean? That means you'll be filled with joy and peace as you trust in him. When you have problems and there's tough days, you know what? You can have peace because you're trusting in him. When things are going well, you can have joy as you trust in him. So as you trust in him, here's the spiritual consequence, the spiritual benefit of you placing your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. You will have this hope. You will have this joy, this peace. And the scripture says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? You can know the Holy Spirit inside of your life. You can know the Holy Spirit within you. You can sense him talking to you. You could know his voice. You can trust Jesus with your life. As you trust in him, you'll have peace and you'll have joy. And look what happened in Bartimaeus. Scripture said Jesus was nearby. In verse 47 says this, Bartimaeus he began to, what church he began to, wow. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Look, Jesus is calling someone right now. He's calling somebody. You better answer. He's calling somebody. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that cool? I, I think about Bartimaeus, and he's sitting down here, and he hears Jesus is nearby. Scripture doesn't say Jesus was walking like right in front of him. It wasn't like Jesus was like a parade or something like right in front of Bartimaeus, and he had a front row. He was nearby, and Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is nearby, and what does he do? Jesus! Shut up. What are you doing? Jesus! Hush. Hush. You're a distraction. Jesus! <laughs> See, he had his hope in his Messiah. He had his hope in his Messiah. He didn't care what other people thought. He was the one who was blind. He was the one that needed Jesus. He didn't give a rip about anybody else. Jesus! Have you ever been just a fool for Christ? I want to say this. You haven't cried out to Jesus until you've gotten on somebody's nerves. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever wanted God so badly that other people look at you like you're weird? Have you ever wanted Jesus so badly that people look at you and say, man, what's up with you? Have you ever done drastic things that people look at you and say, why, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? You did what? Why are you doing that? You know you can't do that. What? You threw that away? I can't believe you did that. What? Have you ever done things for Jesus that just looks crazy to others? When I was dating Grace, 
I remember Jesus got a hold of my life, and one of the things, I had a whole bunch of albums, and for those of you who don't, those are round things with little holes on the inside. And I had these, I'll just tell you, I had a lot of a different kind of music, and, and, and I, during that time, it was like Ozzy Osbourne and Led Zeppelin and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. And I looked at the lyrics, and I thought, this can't be good. You know, I was just in the moment kind of thing. If you have those albums or, you know, that's on part of your playlist, I, okay, whatever. But I'm just telling you, at that moment, Jesus got a hold of me, and I got them, and I started breaking them all on my knee. And then my, my girlfriend, Grace, comes in and says, what are you doing? And I said, I got to break these things. I'm listening to this stuff. Have you ever done something for Jesus that just doesn't make sense to other people? Have you ever shared your faith with someone and someone by you says, what are you doing, man? Just our server, leave her alone. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? Have you ever done something? Have you ever cried out for Jesus? Jesus! And didn't care what other people thought. Have you ever praised Jesus at church and not care about what the person next to you thinks about you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed, just turn to the person next to you and say, I really don't care. Can you do that? <laughs> can, you, can you just say, Jesus? Say it with me, guys. Say, Jesus. Somebody cry out to Jesus. Say, Jesus. Oh, some of you are there. Others of you still aren't there. It's all right. Let me get to see. That's the last time I'm going to go to that church. <laughs> well, they serve cotton candy. Why didn't you know when when Bartimaeus was sitting down on the on the edge over here? Um, here's my thought: Why in the world didn't they say, "Hey, dude, let me take you to Jesus"? Why didn't his friends? Why didn't they say, "We'll take you to him"? Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says that he was yelling Jesus, and it was Jesus that said, go get him. And that's when they came to Bartimaeus. But why weren't his friends or people around him, they told him to be quiet. Why didn't someone in the crowd help out? You know what, what I think the reason was? Bartimaeus was desperate. When you're desperate, you do strange things, don't you? When you're desperate, you might even do things that are out of character when you're desperate. When you're desperate, you do things that you normally wouldn't do because you're desperate. And you don't care what other people think because you're desperate. Sometimes you'll do things unethical because you're desperate. Jesus wants you to cry out to him. He's the only one that can change your circumstances. He's the only one that can do a miracle, a million little miracles. <laughs> He's the only one that can do miracles in your life. He's the only one that can change your life. He's the only one that can breathe new life. He's the only one that can bring peace. Cry out to Jesus. Bartimaeus, let me ask you this question. How bad do you want to be healed? Bartimaeus, he wanted to be healed pretty bad. He was crying out to Jesus. He did not care 
what anyone else thought. How bad do you want to be healed? I think uh, we might have blind spots. Everybody has been, everyone, you drive a car, a lot of us drive cars, and you know, you know what a blind spot is, right? It's that one spot that you can't see. You can't see. You gotta turn your head to find it, right? But it, it's super easy, depending, especially depending on your car, to, to miss something. And what's interesting about that, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter your IQ, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, it doesn't matter how fancy the car is, it doesn't matter what, where you live and what subdivision you live, it doesn't matter your position in this world, it doesn't matter whether you're on the top of the corporate ladder or the bottom of the corporate ladder, it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are, we all have blind spots and one, one moment can change your life if you're not aware of that blind spot. One moment. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished, that one moment. Well, I think we have blind spots in our character as well. Everyone has them. You know what I'm talking about? You know that blind spot? You know, the way you come across to others. Blind spot. The way you talk to people. Blind spot. The way you shut down. Blind spot. The way you have to monopolize a conversation. Blind spot. The way you seek attention. Blind spot. The way you treat others, blind spot. The way you can't forgive, yeah, blind spot. You know what I'm talking about? It's the way you blow your cool, blind spot. The way you compromise that area of your life, blind spot. And people around you, they're aware of these blind spots. Just because you ignore them doesn't mean they go away. People look at you, and they see that temper. They see that resentment. They see that grudge. They hear the edge that comes out of your mouth. They hear that. People around you look at you, and they see the lack of self-control. They see the lust. They hear the jokes. They see the hypocritical side. They hear what you say, but they see the way you live. They hear your thoughts. They know you don't keep your promises. If you say you'll be there, it's a miracle if you show up. They know it. They know you're not one to keep your word. Blind spot. So we can have blind spots in our life and we could ignore them. Helen Keller said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And she was blind. Here's the big question. Do you want God to work in your blind spot as much as Bartimaeus wanted to see? Hmm. Yeah? Is it, is it critical for you? <clears throat> I think the, you know, the devil is a liar. And one of the things the devil's really good at is telling you, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You deserve. Oh, you, you've, you've gone through so much. It's not that bad. It's no big deal. No big deal. 
Interesting, when uh, Bartimaeus was shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I looked at that phrase and I looked at the original Greek language, what it actually means. And here's what it actually means. Jesus, my Messiah, heal me right now. That's what he was saying. He wasn't Jesus, come on over here. He was Jesus, heal me right now. Heal me right now. Right now, Jesus, right now, heal me. That was Bartimaeus' faith, his hope in the Messiah. I, I thought about this too. What if, what if, what if he didn't yell for Jesus? What if he didn't, like when they told him, hush, be quiet, shut up, don't, who do you think you are? And he just kept shouting, Jesus! What if he would have stopped? he would have been left blind. He never would have experienced that healing. And then my other thought was, wow, check this out. Jesus was one shout away from Bartimaeus. Glory to God. Think about that. He was one shout away from Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus didn't care what other people thought. You know what's worse than Blind Bartimaeus, you know what's worse? <clears throat> if you didn't cry out to him, if you missed your opportunity. Here's what's worst. When, when, when the Lord is moving right in front of you, he's moving right in front of you. And you know what's worse? You sitting down and doing nothing. You not recognizing the presence of the Lord. That's what's worse than blind Bartimaeus. I have a theory, guys. I think one day, I just believe it in my bones. I think one day you're going to look back at your life and you'll look at that friend that invited you to church differently. One day you're gonna look back at your life and you're gonna remember that moment when you were in church at Thorn Creek and you're gonna remember that very moment and you're gonna be thinking, wow, that was really special. That was more special than I thought. I think, I think you're gonna look back in your life and you're gonna think, you know what, that knock on that door, wow, I should have paid attention. That moment I was in the car and, and I felt God moving it. Boy, that moment, wow. That was way bigger than I realized. When someone asked me, do you know Jesus? Wow, that moment, that was way bigger than I realized. You look at your job differently. You look at your relationships differently. You look at the season that you are in life differently. You're going to look at those times when you didn't go to church and you're going to think, wow, what was I doing? I thought that was important. I just have a feeling one day, maybe we'll be in heaven. Maybe we'll be standing in front of the pearly gates. Maybe we'll be in front of Jesus, his eyes like fire and something like a sword coming out of and his, his feet glowing with gold, and Jesus in all of his glory. And I think in a flash, we're going to look back at our life and think, 
wow, I missed it. Why didn't I trust him more? Why did I hold on to that thing so long? Why didn't I let it go? Why didn't I, why didn't I trust him with my life? Why didn't, I let, why didn't I serve him more? Why didn't I let him have, I think we're just gonna look back at our life differently. Because there's all these people around Bartimaeus and, and, and they're all following Jesus. It's like this parade kind of thing. But Bartimaeus is the only one that's saying, Jesus, he's the only one. Everyone else is just following him because maybe Jesus, you know, heals people and feeds people. And, but Bartimaeus, he wanted his miracle. I love verse 49. It says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I have this picture of Jesus, you know, walking, doing this thing. And I don't know how many times Bartimaeus says, Jesus! And all of a sudden, you, the steps stop. And, and Bartimaeus turns. Jesus turns. Scripture says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up. You know what the, that phrase, cheer up, means in the original language? It means be courageous. They said, Come on, he's calling you. And what does Bartimaeus do? Verse 50 says, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and I have this picture of Bartimaeus saying, like, I am out of here. You know, I am sitting down. I am taking this off. I am done. Where's Jesus? And just starts running to Jesus. Somebody hold my hand. (laughs) Let him keep talking. I'll find him. I can't see him, but I can hear him. And I don't care about anyone else. I think it's really significant that he threw down his coat because this was what maybe kept him warm or maybe he sat down on this thing all the time. It represented his life. It maybe represented his identity. And it was part of his, it was the thing he grabbed every time blind Bartimaeus went to the street curb. It's what he knew. And he throws down what he knew for Jesus, for someone that he wants to get to know. That's the thing when you turn to Jesus with all of your heart. The things that you used to think were really important in your life are not important anymore. And you're like, yeah, this was my old identity. I've got a new identity. I've got a new life with Jesus. And that's what I, I don't care. I used to care about that. But all I need is Jesus. That's how you know you know Jesus. He threw it aside. He jumped up. And verse 51 says, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. Don't you love Jesus' questions? I mean, this would be like a gimme, wouldn't it? The guy's blind. What do you mean? What is he? I, I, as I looked at this, there were two things that I thought about. One was, it pleases God when we verbalize our hearts. When we tell Jesus, this is what's going on in my life. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's troubling you. He knows what's weighing you down. He knows why you're at church. He knows why you're watching online. He knows all that, but it pleases him when you verbalize your heart. When you say, Jesus, I want to see. Jesus, I need to be set free from this. Jesus, I'm living, I'm just lost, and I just need, I just need you, Jesus. Whatever it is, you verbalize, Jesus, I made a mess in my life. I made a mess in those relationships. I made a mess, and I'm, I'm still bleeding, Jesus, over something that happened 10 years ago. I'm still bleeding, and I don't know what else to do. When you verbalize your prayer request, and you say, Jesus, heal me, he'll heal you. Heal you. The other thing I thought, I think, I, think, I think God has this matching 401k plan. 
I think Jesus will do exactly what you want. But I think he can do more. Sometimes we just want, we want Jesus to heal in the immediate what we see. And we say, I just need help in this area. I just need you to do a miracle because I, I don't have enough money. I, I overspent and now I'm in debt. Hello. I'm in this situation. I just need you to work here. But I think Jesus is like, you know what? I'll do that. You'll get what you want. But here's the truth. I can do this. Sometimes I think we ask too small. I think we ask too small. I don't think we have a God perspective. I think we have a me perspective. And we ask too small. Romans chapter 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. There he is speaking it out loud. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Declare with your mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. Glory to God. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I think it pleases Jesus when you use your lips, and it comes from your heart. You know, the most productive thing you can do is cry out to Jesus. You may not have words for anything else. The pain may be too deep. You may have just a mess inside of you. You may have a weight. You may feel confused. You may feel like you're at the low place and you may feel like you're in a dark place. You may feel like you're just battling demons and you're just going, you may just feel like you're just, if that's you, just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's enough, that's enough. Jesus will stop for you. He'll stop for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He'll stop for you. Praise the Lord. My rabbi, the blind man, said, my rabbi. He was a believer. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly, there it is, say instantly with me again. The man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road left his coat. Just follow Jesus. There's blind Bartimaeus. He had a system every day. He knew how many steps to the street curb. He knew where to sit. He had this system down. He knew how to beg. He knew, got it. But when, when Jesus stopped, and he cried out to Jesus. He left his coat. He walked away from his old system, his old life, his whole identity, and he followed Jesus. That's what Jesus wants you to do. That's why you're at church. Jesus wants to change your life. I came across this, uh, this story, this testimony by this gal named Annie. Here's Annie. She used to attend Thorn Creek many years ago, many years ago, and, and she lives in Florida now, and she gave me permission to share this. I want to make sure I say that, and um, this is what Annie said. She said, I believe in God, the one written about in the Bible. I have my entire life, but I didn't have a relationship with God until my 20s. I had zero connection 
with God. I was selfish and only cared about myself. I would be nice if there was something in it for me. Yeah, I was that person, she says. Fast forward to me living on my own since I left home right when I turned 18. And all of this got amplified. I moved practically across the country to get away from my mom. She puts in parentheses another story. <laughs> I was extremely reckless. I felt I was better than everyone. I was really an arrogant there it is. That's what she says. Life was a huge mess for me. I felt uneasy and anxious all the time. I was lost and now have real responsibility but refused to figure out why. I intentionally ran away from trying to figure it out. Fast forward a couple of years and I meet someone who tells me everything I want to hear. And I fell for him. I ignored the big... She put big in uppercase, the big red flags, got pregnant, and had my first daughter. I had my first child by the time I was 19. Still at this point in my life, I didn't acknowledge or talk to God. I could do it all on my own without help, she says. This was when I became aware of God in my life. I remember holding this little girl and realizing I didn't want her to be like me. I didn't want her to be lost in life. I didn't want her to feel something was missing or feel unloved. I found a local church. Hello, Thorn Creek. It was also the first time I was open to God. I can't tell you the amount of times I would leave crying. This was the first time I felt God speak to me. Thorn Creek became the catalyst for God. Prior, I was living for myself. I was miserable. I couldn't figure out why. I became a member of, of a church here in Florida. My kids are raised knowing the Bible and how it still relates to modern day issues. None of this would have happened if not for Thorn Creek Church. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah says it like this, and these are the words of the Lord. Those who hope in me, in other words, the Lord, those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in God, will not be disappointed. Isn't that good? Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Those who hope in Jesus will not be disappointed. Those who hope in God will not be disappointed. You put your hope in Jesus, and he'll take care of everything. You don't know what to do about that relationship or that hard time, or you don't know what to do about that problem you're facing, and you just don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. It's okay. You'd be like blind Bartimaeus, just saying, Jesus, and give it to him. Place your hope in Jesus. He's our living hope. He's the great I am. He's our Messiah. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one holding everything together. He's your God. He's your God. He's your Savior. You can trust him, and you will have a peace and a joy as you trust in Jesus. Glory to God. You will have a peace and a joy as you trust in Jesus. Don't believe the lies of the devil. You know what the devil wants you to do? Just sit. Sit. 
be angry, sulk, be angry at everyone else. You're the victim. Blame everyone else. It's their fault. And just sit. Bartimaeus, what did he do? He heard, right? He heard. So here's the question for you. Here's the question for you. Can you hear the steps of Jesus? Can you hear the steps of Jesus? Can you hear the steps of Jesus? Can you hear them? All you have to do is say, Jesus, I hear you. I hear you, Jesus. He'll meet you where you're at. He'll meet you where you're at. In your old age, in your young age, in your aches and pains, in your grudges, in your depression, in your thoughts. He'll meet you where you are at. Place your hope in Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want to say a prayer for you. You ready to place your hope in Jesus? He will not disappoint you. <clears throat> he will not disappoint you. But let's do this. Let's do this. I want to give you an opportunity to shout with your body. If you want to place your hope in Jesus, stand up really quickly. If you want to place your hope in Jesus and you hear the steps of Jesus and you want to stand, stand up right now really quickly, you, you, you hear Jesus, he's stirring your heart. You hear God and you want to place your hope in Jesus. Whatever your life looks like right now, God sees what's going on in your life. He cares about you. That's why he brought you to church. That's why you're watching online because he loves you and he cares about you and he has a great life for you and he wants you to put your hope in him. He'll take care of everything. You don't have to worry about anything. He will fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him. Your hope is in him. Your soul is in him. Thank you, Lord, for the good people that are standing. And if you're watching online, stand up where you're at if you're ready to place your hope in Jesus. And those of you who are standing, maybe you need to say this. Jesus, right now, I put my hope in you. Maybe you just need to say Jesus. Say Jesus out loud. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus, I place my hope in you. Maybe you need to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe your prayer is Jesus coming to my heart right now. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Fill my heart. Right now, I want to become a Christian. Teach me how to walk with you. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, I need peace right now. I'm going through a lot. And I don't know all the answers. And I don't know all the problems. And I'm not even sure how to pray. But help me. Give me peace. Some of you need to say, Jesus, I need a miracle in my life. Some of you need to say, Jesus, I need an open mind. I need an open mind. Help me to see you working. Some of you might need to be saying, Jesus, I can't hear you. That scares me. So clean, clear out my life. Clean out me so that I could hear you again. I want to know your steps, Jesus. I don't want you to walk by me and me not know it. And right now, Jesus, I want to say, use me. I want to follow you. Take my life. Do a miracle. Change me. Transform me, Jesus. Change the way I think. Change the way I live. Change my habit. Change my attitudes. Lord, 
do a transformation in my blind spots. Change me in those blind spots. And may everyone around me just think, wow, what happened to you? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for your spirit that I felt as, even as I preached. And may you, Jesus, be glorified in us. Our hope is in you. In your name we pray. Amen.